Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Hybrid Unlimited. This is me, Steffi Cohen. And Hayden Bo. And today, it's just us. We're going to be answering some questions from Hayden's Q&A about several different topics, ranging from our business timeline, how we got started with all of our different verticals over at Hybrid, um, some more personal questions about motivation um, and what goes into competing in powerlifting. Uh, what else? Sexism in the gym. Sexism and, in the gym. And people just actually trying to be nice, being mistaken mm-hmm. for sexism. Mm-hmm. Um how we started the apparel brand, what our inspiration for the apparel brand was. Some resources. Some resources for people uh, who wanted to start out in uh, business in the fitness industry. Um, yeah, a little, little bit of everything. We kind of touched on all thi- a lot of things, business and personal. So this mm-hmm. was a fun one. As yep. always, uh, this episode is brought to you by Go Strong Equipment. They are the leading equipment manufacturer in strength sports. They are the absolute best. We just are finally putting together after having for like a year that custom chrome rack that ghost where are we putting uh, it i I, th- I think we might put it here in our home gym i think that's i think idea. we take that rogue rack off the wall and replace it with something much much better <laughs> i agree which is a freaking custom chrome hybrid x ghost equipment yeah cage that, that's gonna look so bench. clean here Oh, it's going to look nice. I'm pumped about that. Me too. But yeah, check them out there at GoStrongEquipment.com or at GoStrongEquipment on Instagram. As always, make sure you tag us. Screenshot the episode. Tag me, tag Steffi, tag Hybrid Unlimited. uh, Post it up in your story and you'll automatically be entered to win uh, for a chance to win an entire drop from Hybrid Legacy Brand. Uh, If you need help with your training and or nutrition, uh, we offer coaching for both. You can find that on our website at hybridperformancemethod.com. Get the wisdom of some of the best coaches in the freaking game. You got 25 time world record holder, Steffi Cohen, right in the powerlifting program. You got Fernando Reese, three time Olympian on the weightlifting program. Uh, we got a lot of cool coaches, new coaches coming into the game. We can't quite say yet, but oh, that's going to be a grand reveal that's coming soon. Extremely pumped about that. You guys are all gonna freak out when you hear who it is i think that's it sit back relax enjoy bye all right how you doing good how are you good so i think we decided today we're gonna do some uh we're gonna basically do a a listener q a Mm-hmm. So thank you everybody who submitted questions over Instagram uh, yesterday. Uh, we've gone through and we've picked out what we think are, I guess, some of the better questions. Um, and I will go through as many of them as we can. You know, sometimes we tend to go a little long on things. So we're just going to let the topics play out as they do. Did you have one you wanted to start with? No, I'll let you do the honor. <laughs> okay. I thought this one was really interesting. Um, and it, it just made me think of so many different ways that we can talk about it, but the whole, um, women that lift and men like saying stupid things to them and how, how to deal with it. But there's also like, just a deeper topic there. Cause I was thinking of the, you look like a man page, which I love. It's really funny. You, you ever, you follow it? Yeah. So for those who don't, there's a page it's called like you dot look dot like it's all separated by dots. You look like a man. And they basically out guys, they call them Gary's who um, like just are kind of like, I guess, either sexist um, for whatever reason in the gym or try to take accomplishments away from women, uh, like 
physical like physical accomplishments and stuff like that so or uh, love to just say how their opinion on the way they look or what they choose to do yeah yeah you're you ended up on like on that page a bunch not you because you were a sexist man <laughs> but because <laughs> the sexist man said certain things to you and then it gets screenshotted and sent to that page and they post it yeah but what i thought was really interesting is that it's kind of like imagine you're any page right mm -hmm. and your content is based on a very specific topic mm -hmm. sometimes it's going to be tough to find content you know what i mean like it's tough to come up with content right right, right. so the quality of your content is going to vary Right. And I feel like sometimes on this page, there's a bit of a reach for like, like to call certain things sexist or whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, again, love the page, but it's just the nature of running any sort of page. But the like one that I think of all the time is they'll just be like a regular gym bro or like a, you know, gen pop guy in a gym. I'm going to open it. And, and uh, a girl who is a power lifter will be training at this gym. And she'll be struggling on like a bench press. Now this guy will run over and burn her rep, right? He'll pull the bar yeah, off of yeah. her at the first sign of yeah. struggle, put it in the rack, right? Mm -hmm. I remember this video. Well, there's many like this. The, it gets posted all the time on that page, right? Where, and I guess the premise is they think that the, it's a guy looking at this girl, thinking she doesn't know what she's doing because she's a girl in the gym, and he's you know the knight in shining armor. He's going to come over and rescue her, and like there's a sexist undertone to that. And I, I'm sure in some situations there are, but there are some situations where just imagine you're a guy who's not a power lifter. You don't know anything about the gym. You know, you're in there doing all the exercises wrong, probably anyway. And you see this girl struggling and you're genuinely trying to help. You run over, you try to help this lady and then you get roasted. Like there's videos where the girls are like, what the fuck? Like getting upset at the guy, right? And then you end up on this poor page, like you're some misogynistic pig and really yeah. you're just trying to help, <laughs> yeah. you know, like that kind of sucks. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I just don't know. Like, I feel like, and not specifically with this page, but just in general, like society is so super like in tune and heightened when it comes to race issues, gender issue, race issues, gender issues, like all those kinds of things that it's like sometimes I feel like. It's, they're getting the wrong guy. It's the halo effect. It's what we were reading about in the book. The Ex other day. Explain it. I can't remember. So the topics that are more readily available in our minds are the ones that are most publicized by the media because they're, you know, they're there. They're in front of us all the time. So these issues that you just, that you just brought up, sexism, racism, are issues that are popular, are hot right now. So it just seems like it happens more often than it actually happens kind of thing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So just because we're bombarded by messages like that. But yeah, I mean, going back to what you were saying, it's a sh it really is a shame because I don't think that in that particular situation, the guy had any sort of, you know, sexist intent. Right. Like he was just trying to help the girl. I know. And not, not fail a rep. But what was carrier. the question again? Well, it was actually like basically men saying dumb stuff to women. I guess this, this would be a good question for you. Like one, has that happened to you? And two, how do you deal with it? Either. Can you, what was the question? I just asked you. I just explained it. A women that lift, men saying stupid things. Oh, men saying stupid things. How, did, how, deal with how it. do you deal with it? Um, I mean, I think like anything is, is a matter of repetition, right? Like you become desensitized to certain comments 
that people tell you often. So uh, it, for me to sit here and say that it, it's never affected me or it doesn't affect me, it's a lie. It obviously does. I'm, I'm a human just like anyone else and I have feelings and emotions. And even if I, even if I don't want to admit it to myself that it affects me, I think there's a certain degree of, you know, annoyance and, and hurt that I experience anytime I read a comment that's, that's sexist, obviously. I think for me personally, I went through this a long time ago, you know, when, when I guess it makes me seem so old, but it wasn't that long ago. Like when I first started lifting about five years ago, when lifting was not for uh, powerlifting. Yeah. Yeah. For powerlifting. Uh, and, and it wasn't that common for, I guess, girls to be that strong. You remember like how much just guys love to put me down, like whatever it was that we talked about this, I can't remember when, but about the quote unquote controversy of my 525 pound deadlift. Are you kidding me, dude? A guy <laughs> would do a 500 pound deadlift or a 600 or an 800, a thousand pound deadlift. And there would be zero controversy around that. It'd be like, Oh, sick. That guy's super strong. Right. But then I go do a 525 pound deadlift. And there's a million videos popping up about the controversy of my deadlift. It's like, are you kidding me, man? Like yeah. it's a deadlift, just like any other deadlift. It's a training deadlift that I, I used an Olympic bar because it was the only bar that was available. It, there were only bumper plates and there. I had my straps on. Like, are you kidding me? But, but for me, hold on, let me make yeah, my point. Yeah, yeah. For me, it got to a point where I was just, um, in it. What's the word I'm looking for? Like when you can't argue with someone unarguably, huh? is that a word? Incapable? No, unarguably. Like when you can't. Oh, inarguably? Is that a word? I think inarguably is. Yeah. yeah, inarguably. Inarguably strong, period. Like I was right. just strong and there was nothing else anyone could do about it kind of thing. I was as strong as the guys. Yeah. It's not like strong, for, like like for a girl. Yeah, you're undeniably strong. Period. Undeniably strong, period. Yeah. So I think when that happened is when I just garnered some respect from the overall yeah. community. And there were still those, like some stupid guys commenting misogynistic stuff on my, on my posts. But like I said, mm -hmm. it gets to a point where I've seen them all. I've read them all. I've seen them all. I've dealt with them all. And at this point it's like, it's annoying. And sometimes they do get under my skin and I feel the need to, to say something back to them um, or try to, I don't know, prove a point or try to change their mind. But I know it's not worth it. So now my go-to is just make fun of them in my comment section. Just reply things that make no sense. Yeah, I see Like that. suck a fart <laughs> or shut that the was... fuck up, milk. <laughs> <laughs> if you've seen the newest season of Big Mouth, you'll get that one. Um, yeah. I think that also just, I don't know, uh, it, maybe this this uh, girl was, was looking for some advice. I, I, I feel like... Obviously, I'm not a female, so I can't completely relate, but I just feel like what something that gave me comfort was realizing that somebody who goes on the Internet and just says mean things to strangers like that used to be a person that when I didn't think so critically about it, it would I'd be like, what a dick, like, mm -hmm. you know, and it would bother me. But now it's like I honestly feel bad for those people mm -hmm. because nobody who is crushing life, who's happy, who's doing all the right things and is, you know, ex experiencing their best life is going to go and do that. Mm -hmm. I don't have the time. Have you ever commented on a YouTube video? <laughs> no. Like the, no, I, actually I, I didn't even never. know that was a function until you freaking started a YouTube mm -hmm. channel. It's like, who are these people passionately commenting mean ass things? 
on on social media. It's like yeah, it's it's a reflection of how they feel, a hundred percent. Yeah. And one thing, so I spoke to my sports psychologist about this a long time ago, just talking about who are the people in my comment section that comment those mean things. Mm-hmm. And statistically, like what he explained is that statistically, there, you know, there's a there's a percent of the population that deals with depression and anxiety and and that are very negative and that are not happy with their lives. And the percentage, I forgot what it was. I'm going to say like 1% uh-huh. of the population deals with depression. And it really... I bet you it was a lot higher than that, but... You think? Yeah, well, I don't know. Whatever. Anyways, whatever. When I spoke yeah. to him about it, it 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 really made sense based on the amount of, of those types of comments that I received. Percentage-wise, it made sense with just the percentage of the population that deals with... Uh, okay. With, like, mental health issues. So... It's that, man. It's just really sad people that are, that really resent people doing better than them or people doing different things and getting out of their their comfort zone and like challenging themselves and, and breaking stereotypes. Like it, it, it bothers them for some reason. Yeah. So it's not a good place to be. Honestly, I just wish the best for those people because I honestly can't relate. Yeah, really. That's tough. What, uh, oh, this is a, honestly, these are some of these are really good ones for you. Mm-hmm. How, cause you've been dealing with this a ton. How do you stay motivated when you're injured? It's a tough one. Look, I, and this is something that I talked to Caesar about. Where's Caesar? I don't know. He left, but <laughs> our, our media director that I wish that he had, that he had, uh, like recorded the lowest lows of my training mm. in the past. Obviously, he probably didn't because you were telling him, get, the, yeah, get that I, camera I, the fuck away from me. <laughs> yeah, probably, probably. <laughs> and he probably also didn't feel comfortable. Um, but, you know, I think especially in powerlifting, a sport that is so monotonous and that you can, can't can really escape the things that you have to do, right? It's squat, bench, deadlift, and that's it. Like, there's no other thing that you can work on, uh-huh. you know? Like in boxing, you can do right. your shadow boxing. You can work on your head movement. You can work on your, on your um, footwork, you can work on your counter. You can work on your defense. You can work, but in powerlifting is it's just that it's just squat, bench, deadlift. So when you get hurt and you still have to come in and you have to find a way to to continue pushing forward, I mean, I don't think at that point you really rely on motivation at all. And I think this has been said so many times that you shouldn't be relying on motivation. That you should just be disciplined enough to continue doing something. But back to the point that, that I was trying to make about that I wish I had footage of those times. It's like in powerlifting for me, at least I have way more bad sessions than good sessions, way more. Like at least, I don't know, I would say like 60 to 70% of my sessions suck. And then you have those like that 20, I want to say, yeah, 70%. Suck? Suck. <laughs> yeah. And then you have that 30% that's spaced out pretty evenly somehow throughout the year that keeps you coming back. And, right. ke- and, and keeps you, gives you a glimpse, you know, like gives you a taste of where you can, where you can be mm-hmm. or who you can become or how much you can lift. You know, those like three rep max BRs or five rep max BRs or whatever, 10 rep max BRs that give you that like glimpse. Uh, and that's essentially what keeps you going. But for the most part, like I said, especially in a, in a sport that's so monotonous, I, I experienced more bad days than good days. And from what I've sp- spoken about with a lot of people who've been in the sport for a long time, like Dan Green, he also feels that way. You know, it's the, the, the longer that you train and the closer you, you are to reaching your full potential as an, as a strength athlete, 
the harder the sessions become and the, the slower, the slower you make progress, the more injuries you accumulate and just the tougher it gets. Mm-hmm. So that's just kind of the reality of the situation. I mean, for, for me, I guess I, I and I, I want to keep it real. I think for me, what kept me motivated was the fact that I made that this my career, you know, like I, make money from being a power lifter. I'm a professional lifter. So showing up to competitions and winning makes me money. It gives me exposure, you know, opens up all these other doors of opportunity. So I think a big part of what motivates me is, is a financial incentive. Uh-huh. Um, and then also, you know, just like knowing that, I don't know, knowing that I have, when I first started powerlifting, I, I felt like I, I had something, right? Like I felt like it was kind of my calling. That's why I always say that powerlifting found me. Right. So I've always been just curious to like exploring that and be in, and seeing how far, I, how far it can take me similar to boxing. You know, I don't really know if I'm going to be this, like that great at boxing, but I had that same feeling. Yeah. You know, boxing like kind you of felt like you had a natural aptitude yeah, for it. Yeah. And, and that's why I keep training. Mm-hmm. Like, do I want to get my nose broken? Absolutely not. Like, do I want to get punched in the face? No. But if I have an aptitude for it, I could never forgive myself in 20 or 25 years. I know for a fact that I'm going to look back and I'm going to, and I'm going to think what if, cause it's the same story, the same exact thing that happened with me in soccer. When I moved to the States, started playing soccer at the, uh, the collegiate level and just gave up because it was hard because like I had other things to do because I had other interests because I was having a hard time balancing things. And then I quit. That's that's the only thing that when I look back, I'm like, damn, I should have I should have stuck it up. I should have just like kept going, you yeah. know, been more disciplined. Yeah, true. I mean, tough decision at the time, obviously, like you didn't speak english that as well you know or very well like but if it was me now like what i've learned and the skills that i have now then i would have i would have kept going to see how far i could go so that's what motivates me it's like i i'm really curious to just just unlock my full potential in in every aspect because i think that's what life is about it's like about experiences it's about pushing yourself challenges what about it? Like if you're injured to the point where you are removed from being able to do any of your activity? Um, yeah. I mean, that happened to me earlier this year. It's tough. It's really tough. I spoke about it briefly on a post recently about how I just felt like I was stripped of my identity as a person. Cause I identified with being strong, not necessarily being a power lifter, but I identified with being a strong person, a strong human. Right. Uh-huh. And when that's taken away from you, it makes you really think about just think about who you are and who you are going to be without that thing. Um, and that was that, that was something you weren't okay with. No, 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 definitely. I wasn't, I was, I wasn't, I'm not ready to not be, to not compete again in powerlifting or to not be strong. Well, to your credit, you've been in that situation like two or three times now and yeah. I've always come back stronger than ever, stronger and broken world records. Yeah. So I think you've, whatever you're, you, you're doing works. Yeah. But in the moment, it seems like you're never going to come back. Yeah. Like in the, for right now, man, like I was squatting 80 kilos yesterday and I cannot imagine how the fuck I ever <laughs> put 500 pounds on my back. Yeah. I don't, do not understand. Or how, how did I snatch that at some point? What, 80 kilos? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. How did I power snatch that at some point? That's insane to me. So 
yeah, I mean, I think when you're going through that, it seems like the worst thing that's ever happened to you. It seems like you're never going to recover from it. And you know what? I might not recover from it. Some people, some people get injured and just never come back. You know, it just, their bodies aren't the same. You're not as resilient. You're not, you know, you've aged, you've accumulated more injuries. I don't know. It's a, it's a tough place to be. So I do think though, in, in general, like just dealing with injuries that I've had, very few of them are full body debilitating. Yeah. You know what I mean? So they're, you know, as played out as the term is like every setback is an opportunity in disguise. Mm -hmm. I really think that is the case, especially with powerlifting. Because like what are the common injuries? Like knee, shoulder. Back, hip. Yeah. Like like all of the, like back, back can be a tough one. But generally if it's a lower body injury, you can still work on upper body stuff, mm -hmm. bench press, whether, even if it's like to the point where you can't even use leg drive and you're just doing like Larson press or whatever, you can do that. And then the same, if you tear a pec or you have a shoulder injury or whatever, usually you can throw on a safety squat bar, a cambered bar, do some, like there's always stuff to do. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's motivating at least to me to kind of feel like I'm doing everything that I can, you know, like sitting at home and doing nothing because you have a shoulder injury only makes you feel worse. Yeah. So it's like, it's a relief to me to go into the gym and do whatever it is that I can do. Yeah. I always, when I was, when I was hurt, that was kind of my motto was do what you can with what you have. Yeah. Dude, That's I, I, I remember, just, I remember and keep showing up. You're probably your best meet you ever had. You had come back from the previous year's U S open and had like, you know, you had an injury and it had bombed out or something or yeah. You had yeah. Bombed bombed out. Out. And I remember you just doing like, at the time I didn't get it, but you were doing all these weird variations of exercises with really lightweight, uh, in like the apartment we lived in at the time in the mm -hmm. apartment gym with like little random weights. And, you know, you built that whole sort of procedure and how you did it now into a book, like mm -hmm. a whole methodology. But what you were doing at the time was just exposing yourself to movements that you could do mm -hmm. with what you had available to you at the, the apartment gym. Mm -hmm. And you came back and absolutely killed it and broke yeah. a whole bunch of world records and it was a whole, whole yeah. thing. Yeah. So I think there is something to be said about that. Yeah, for do, sure. Do what you can with what you have. Yeah. Um, what do we have here? Oh, how did you decide to drop the other jobs and focus on your business? Well, it's easy for you. You're just a, you're a student. Yeah, uh, right. But I didn't drop my other jobs. Huh? I was still a student. Yeah. 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 Well, so yeah, you just kind of played it like you finished it out until. Yeah. I think there was a natural timeline to being a student. Yeah. But, and, and I think you, you would agree with me on this is that I think a mistake that people make is obviously like don't stay in a job you hate, but also don't neglect the importance of financial stability. Like you can't think clear if you're financially unstable. Uh -huh. So. <clears throat> yeah. Those are the two things that bother me the most. The don't have a plan B. I hate that. Yeah. Who I, look, it's that's one. Who was it? The talk? I think it was Gary V. Gary V. Said, oh, in, in the uh, book originals that I read. I've also heard Arnold yeah. say, say that too, but it's like, that's just one of those things that sounds good to say. Like it's a great little sound bite or a little quote, like, mm -hmm. like plan B having a plan B means you're, you're, preparing to fail your plan a or whatever like it's not the case no like to think that human beings brains are so simple that the fact that you have a plan b means you can't put 100 percent effort into your 
plan your plan a like i just i don't buy that no i mean yeah and um for me personally i did have a job and i actually liked the job when i what well, when i had started uh working against gravity and what are you doing i was working in a, a gym that was pretty specific to uh training hockey players it was at the mastercard center which is the least practice facility um so you got to work with a ton of high level athletes it, it, was, it was fun it was like I, I enjoyed the job but how i realized it, it was time for me to stop was when that job that i enjoyed kind of started becoming annoying to me mm-hmm. you know we were, we we're making a lot of money with with the business we had started and you know i just kind of felt like i was doing bitch work and i'm like i'm making too much to be doing bitch work like so they'd be like hey can you go tighten up the rig with the ratchet set and i'd be like motherfucker like don't don't tell me to go tighten up the rig you know even even though it was totally a valid thing to ask me during like you know it was well within my job description there it's just it got to the point where i'm like my time can be better spent better spent so it the opportunity cost of keeping the job was higher than the reward i was getting to stay there and do the job yeah so it it just became a an obvious solution for me or yeah for sure answer for me for sure the you know, it's, it's interesting. It's always interesting to me when, when you have kind of a a method of doing things or a way that you think about certain things, like, like your job, you know, that like you, you, you knew it was important for you to stay, be financially stable while at the same time you're developing your own, your own thing. You, You knew that was important. But what's interesting to me is when I read about it, in a book or when I hear about a story from other successful people that have the same mindset. And it's almost like, you know, confirming that you took the the right route. So in the, well, what I'm talking about is the book originals. Mm. They allude to so many stories of super successful people that have that same mindset. Like the, the, the story in which, they open up the book with is the story about how they started Warby Parker, the, the uh-huh. eyewear company. Yeah. It was basically founded by three guys that were in college. They, they, um, identified a problem, which was that buying glasses was too expensive. You know, it's like three, 500 bucks for a pair of glasses right. that your, that your dog is going to eat or that <laughs> they're going to break or that they're going to go out of style. Right. And then they found a way to make, uh, I wear accessible and, and, uh, affordable and high quality. And when they developed the idea and they came up to Adam Grant, who's the author of this book and who was their business professor, mm-hmm. they offered him stock in the company. And the reason why he declined was because they weren't, they weren't 100%, you know, they weren't willing to quit school to quit the program that they were in to devote all of their time to growing their business. And to him, like he had that mindset of like, if you're not in all the way in, you're out. Yeah. And he perceived that as like, they're not, you know, they're not giving them all their, all their effort. And that's the reason why he, he wrote the book originals was because, you know, years after, well, a year after, I think their company was valued at like a billion dollars after year one or some crazy thing like that. Uh, and, and that's why he wrote the book. He's like, you know, that was that that was the biggest missed opportunity for him was not buying into this thing just because he thought that they, the guys weren't fully bought in or or the other story that that really stood out to me was the story about was it Bill Gates. Yeah, it was the story about Bill Gates and how 
you know how they say that that he quit school right it's like no dude he asked for a for for a for a year off he asked for permission from the school for a year off to develop this business right. that he was he was planning yeah, yeah, yeah. He didn't just like say, I'm too good for school and quit. I quit. Right? No. He that's that's asked, the way a lot of people but, but make that's, it seem. Dude, but they love telling stories like that. It's like the same thing as like how they say that Einstein failed physics. No, he fucking didn't. Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> like there, It's like people are trying, they're trying to, they manipulate these stories to fit their 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 narratives to try to justify behavior that they're doing. Look, sure, yeah. you quitting school is not justified. That's not justified behavior. Why? Because why? Or, or you failing a class? Oh, that it doesn't mean anything because Einstein failed. No, man. Pass your classes. Stay <laughs> in school. You know, do yeah. things right. Especially undergrad. It's four years. Yeah, stick know? it through, man. Jeez, stick it through. It done. But so, so yeah, I mean, well, I forgot what we were talking about, but I think always having options is, is the best. When you don't have options, I think that's when you run into 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 trouble. Of course, because that's problems. when you're stressed. If if you absolutely need this thing to work out and it's not going as well as you you wanted it, then how mm-hmm. are you supposed to worry about the important aspects of growth of the business when mm-hmm. you're just stressed out about the day to day? Because if you go under, that's everything. Yeah, you know? so, exactly. Especially when you're starting out, I think it's super important to have a, a fallback plan and. Yeah. You know, all that stuff. Yeah. Like if, if you're working a job that you don't like and you have a dream of starting your own business or whatever it is, like don't, the best advice I could give anyone is, is to work on it on your spare time, little by little and like develop that concept thoroughly. See it through, see it through all the way. Pros, cons, like develop a marketing plan, really identify who your customer is going to be, identify what the need in the market is, how you're going to solve that need, how you're going to solve that problem, like see it through all the way, develop it. And when you're at a point where, where you, where maybe you're already making some money, some money, like two grand a month, that's a good point for you to like start stepping back from the other thing. When you prove that the business that you started is profitable to a certain extent. Yeah. But not the other way around. I have a friend, his name's Nico from Chicago. He started like a, it's a diaper company. I, I forget exactly what they do, but he was a super successful financial analyst, like, you know, MBA from Chicago booth, super smart guy. And f- for years, he has two kids. And for years he was like banging his head against a wall, like trying to survive building his own company and staying in a, in a really time consuming and stressful job being uh-huh. a financial analyst. Uh, and now he's working full time for himself, but it took him a few years. I want to say two or three years to really get that business off the floor, like off the floor. Yeah. Yeah. Off the floor, off the ground. Off the ground. Yeah. Uh, and, but I, I think that's the way to go. I think that's the way to go. Yeah. hundred percent. It just, I don't know. I just feel like, especially now it's just, everybody's just trying to say things that are quotable, that are catchy, that, that are repeatable and that make people feel good. So, or make, make people feel look, inspired. And that make them look like some sort of guru, you yeah. know, some sort of like father inspirational figure that has something figured out that, you know what? It, cause it makes them look brave. Yeah. You know, but I honestly just don't think that's the best advice. Yeah, I agree. I hundred percent agree. Because you have to, sorry. No, keep going. Because I'm interested. So the the <laughs> etymology of the word entrepreneur 
is risk taker. R- sorry, risk bearer. Right. Not risk taker, risk bearer. So a lot of people think entrepreneurship is about entrepreneurship is about taking big risks, but it's about managing risks. Yeah. There's a difference. And educated risks. Educated risks. Calculated risk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so it, it, you know, you see people talking about uh yeah, if you want to have your own business, you gotta take risks. You know, no, yeah, you gotta have to, you gotta, gotta take a certain extent of risk, but it has to be measured. Right. Like you don't just quit your job and start a napkin company. Yeah, of course, you do a risk versus reward analysis. And if it makes sense, you do it. You don't just, I think I wanna start a t shirt company and then, you know, you just start print whatever on a shirt. Exactly. And, and quit your job. Exactly. <laughs> so it's, a, it's about managing risks, not necessarily about being a risk taker. Yeah. Being a risk taker is reckless. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. This next question actually ties in nicely to this advice for a 21 year old who doesn't know where to start in the fitness and apparel industry. Um, to like just two great resources off the top of my head, two books that we loved was this is not a t-shirt by Bobby hundreds and, uh, unlabeled by, uh, Mark echo. I'll tell you what. I disagree with you. You disagree? Yeah. Those are great books and they inspired me so much. I think one of the, they've been, they've really changed my outlook on what I want to do with our apparel Uh or our apparel brand and how I want to grow it. And it's inspirational. It was inspirational for me to read about their story. But in terms of, in terms of like strategy and planning and progression of the business, I don't think we, I don't think anybody can take their advice, either of them, because they started those companies in completely different times. Like when did sure. Mark Echo start his business? Like in the seventies or something in the eighties, uh, in the eighties, late eighties, nineties, late eighties, nineties. And that was a completely different time period. Like all of his marketing strategies were different. Dude, yeah, yeah. like the they, guy they was like, totally different place the guy was advertising on like record label companies, you know, on their radio. That's, that was his method of adver- of advertising. Yeah. The, obviously there are kind of subtleties and stories in there that you can apply, you know, the hustle and, and the creativity and kind of like. Just thinking outside the box. Right. You can definitely take some stories from that, but in terms of like what it takes to build a lucrative, a lucrative apparel brand. I don't think, I think those, I think what you're saying applies more to Mark echoes than, uh, unlabeled versus this is not a t-shirt because the Bobby too, man, like Bobby started in the nineties, but you know what he did is he really leveraged the internet in a way that people should leverage it now, but he was very ahead of his time. That is true. You know, like the reason why one of the, the, like one of the most, interesting things I thought out of that book was he just been writing this blog out of his own interest, right? Mm -hmm. Talking about fashion, talking about all the things he's doing with the brand, whatever. Um, and he mentioned something, I think about Pharrell Williams and then Pharrell (laughs) was reading his blog unbeknownst to him and made some sort of like comment in the media about it. And, uh, that was the first time he was, I think he said was, he was like, Oh wow. Like, People actually read my blog. He had no idea yeah. that people read his blog. And the, their first ever t-shirt drop they did because of the popularity of the blog that he didn't really have any idea about. They put up just a PayPal button on the website. <laughs> That's so sick. With no like limit on inventory because they're like, we're not going to sell out. We have like, I don't know, 500 hoodies. All they dropped was a hoodie and they sold 
thousands of them overnight. Like they sold, they made a hundred thousand dollars overnight. Overnight, and their first ever, and their first drop, drop. was well, off one. Their first one online design. drop because they because they used to sell in like local in, yeah. local stores. Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> dude, it's crazy. But I think I think the takeaway there is leveraging the numbers that are available on the internet, you know, and, and building uh, a community first, a people first approach. Like yeah. That. Yeah. So his, the whole point of his book is focus on the people, not the product. Like that's right. literally every other page. He says it, that's what he wants you to get from that. Yeah. And, and I think, I think a lot of people do it backwards, right? Like a lot of people get so consumed by the numbers by making more money uh -huh. that increasing their prices, making more money that they, that they forget about why they started the company. Like you want to make cool t-shirts so that people rep your brand and, and have some sort of emotion attached to it. Right. Mm -hmm. It bring, what, what, what is it about uh, what, like looking at, at, at a person wearing a hybrid t-shirt on the street? What is it about that? Why did you do that? What does it mean to you? And how does that make people feel? Yeah. I think that's what it's about. And when, and really like, it's amazing. I don't know if it's karma or if it's just, you know, you, you do good, you do good things. You attract good. Like when you focus on that and making people feel better, you, you receive. Yeah. Well, I feel like it's almost in a sense, selfish in a way too, not in a bad way, but it's like, I love seeing people who identify with our community mm -hmm. who, and just like, like when I see somebody else in a hybrid shirt, uh, I'm like, that's a person who shares values that we share, mm -hmm. you know, they identify with the brand and they're kind of like part of our tribe. And obviously there's a sense of pride with that. Like, I, I love seeing that. I love seeing people being interested in what we're doing. Um, but it's also just cool to, to know that there are more people out there like you. And yeah. I think that's all part of the, the community building thing. And, and that's why people like it as well. And especially with brands like the hundreds, yeah, those, I like those Brands are so have such a strongly knit community that people are literally like tattooing the logo on that's them. That's so you know? crazy! I can't wait for someone to walk around with a hybrid tattoo. Yeah, other well, than Jeff Tamburello. Yeah, Jeff has one. Jeff has one. <laughs> so cool. Hey, but uh, to answer the question about how to get started, let's do first like the apparel side. So this, yeah, well, you said fitness apparel, yeah. Oh, fitness apparel. Fitness slash apparel. Okay. So well, let's can... talk. Let's talk about apparel first. Um, you know, I think the easiest way to get started is graphic t-shirts Yeah. because you just, you know, select a blend that you like based on how, how you like the feel of the t-shirt to be. Mm -hmm. Then you design, you design the thing that you want to be on the t-shirt and then you just send it to a third party for printing and then you receive them or, or the third party can even ship them for you. You don't even have to like have inventory. You can even pre-order, uh, do pre-orders. Mm -hmm. You can do small, uh, small quantity drops, you know, limited edition drops. That's done pretty well for us, uh, as well as for other streetwear brands, like yeah. the hundreds, like Echo, like Supreme. Um, so I think that's a really good, a good place to start. I think a lot of people get caught up on wanting to cut and sew all of their items as if that's, what's going to increase their value or the quality. Right. But there's so many other little things that you can do to increase the perceived value of the goods that you're selling. Um, they're called branding collaterals. I actually learned about them yesterday on a slide share. Well, um, we had been doing it already. We yeah. just didn't know. know it had a name or it yeah. was like a thing. Yeah. But that, that is something that was super important for me, like for people to know what the, what inspired the design, what our brand ethos, ethos is like, mm -hmm. what is, who are, who is hybrid apparel and what does it mean when you wear a hybrid apparel garment? Um, you know, I want people to, to know that there was thought 
there, there was a lot of thought put into each product mm-hmm. and it's for them. Um, so yeah, so don't, don't get any, not getting so caught into caught up into, uh, cotton. sew, especially at the beginning, like you can find some pretty good stuff if you source through, um, like international manufacturers, you can find some pretty solid high quality stuff. Yeah. Um, I would really recommend that you take a textile course. So you understand what the fabrics are, what they look like, how they feel, how they fit. So that way you can, you know, when you're sourcing through products, you can see what they're made of and, and you're not going to need a sample because you know, like what, what a 60, 40 blend is or right. how a hundred percent cotton feels like. Right. Um, yeah. What yeah. else? I think, uh, obviously like having a professional front facing brand image is important. So don't just like run your new t-shirt company off of your own personal Instagram, have a company Instagram, you know, put some thought into what the name is going to be invest in what the logo is, um, do some paid advertising. Like it's so easy on Instagram to do paid advertising. Right. And the whole idea of building a community around your brand is, finding people like you mm-hmm. and Instagram actually makes it very easy for you to do that. You can literally social media in general, social media. Yeah. I mean, you can, but Instagram is just the most readily available and every, everybody's on it, which is why I use it as an example, but you can literally target age, sex, interest, location. Yeah. You know, you can find that community that will identify with the things that interest you and yeah. you can advertise directly to them and you can be guaranteed a certain number of eyes on your, your, your stuff. So I think that that's a really like for because it's hard to build a, a following now on social media a lot harder than it was back yeah. when we started years ago. So I think paid advertising is kind of essential now. Mm-hmm. Like you're not going to see the same organic growth and organic sales that that were once possible through social media. So figure out what what your marketing budget is and just that's an easy paid like or easy step in the door to paid marketing is just through social media. Yeah, if I had to, you know. I think the hardest thing about starting an apparel brand or, or any really business venture is starting, you know, it just seems so, uh, like such an impossible task, like such a high mountain to climb. But what always helps me is either having a note opened on, on my phone titled, you know, my new business or my new brand or my new idea or whatever Mm -hmm. it is. And just making sure that it's in the uh, forefront of your brain always, like you're always thinking about it, right? Especially at the beginning. For me, what helps is creating a Google doc that I share with whoever's, whoever's, you know, my partner. Mm -hmm. And I always start with a name. So what's the name of the brand? I put a bunch of ideas there. Um, then when I find one that I like, you have to do a trademark search to make sure it doesn't exist and that you, you're going to be able to legally use it uh-huh. once you find it, which is hard. It's hard. Like I'm, I'm going through it right now for, for my new, my personal collection. And it's difficult to find a name of a brand that doesn't exist. And even a logo that's like, I, I create logos. I created the, the last SE logo was literally from my brain. And then it turned out to be very similar to another brand, yeah. you know? Um, so the trademark search. Once you find one, make your logo, trademark, search that too, to make sure you're not confusing with another brand. Uh, And then where I would start is starting with a mission statement. Like what is your company about? Uh What's the company? And then what are the company's values? Then what are your goals? Then who's your target demographic? You know, 
Uh, and then what we always say, don't cater to the millions, cater to the hundreds. Like there's always going to, you don't have to sell a million t-shirts to have a profitable t-shirt company. You have to sell, dude, 200, 200 t-shirts, say 200 t-shirts at 30 bucks. What's that? Huh? 6,000. 6, yeah. Dude, 200 t-shirts at 30 bucks at $6,000. Yeah. Obviously it's revenue, but. Still, margins Still. are good on, on graphic on, tees. On graphic tees, exactly. So, yeah, so that would be that would be where I would start. Yeah. Name, think, name, logo, mission, value, goals, target demographic. And and looking the part, I think, is so, so important. Like, and living, living the lifestyle of your brand. Sure. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Like walking the walk is, yeah. is a huge thing. Um, again, that's another great, something I like about the hundreds. Yeah. Is that... Bobby does that. Um, but I think like from a social media standpoint, which is, it is obviously important in this day and age, it's not hard to make yourself look professional. Learn how to take some photos, download a, a photo editing app so you can make things look cool. Like I'll get an example. I, I, I went on, uh, I got hit by an Instagram ad. I needed gloves for the motorcycle. Found this company hold fast. All their stuff looked really cool. Went to their website, bought it, uh, bought a pair for me, a pair for you. And then, uh, you know, it looked like a big company. And then uh, I, I emailed, I had some questions for customer service and literally got an email back from the owner of the company. Yeah. And it's just him. Like I, I, I sort of, I was, inter I got, I was interested because of, you know, this is what we do. So I was asking him some questions. I ended up talking to him on the phone. And he's like, yeah, it's just me. He's a one-man one operation. And, <laughs> and he's awesome. running this super professional-looking uh, page. You know, all the quality of the gear is really good. And Yeah, because it's it's all about perception. That's something that Mark Echo talks about a lot. Yeah. You know, you gotta you want to be perceived as a giant in the industry, even when you're not. Like, the example that he gave was they bought a building in Times Square, New York. Mm -hmm. Just so he could be... Just... <laughs> Just so he could pretend that he was one of the big players and put himself millions of dollars in debt. I don't recommend that. I mean, right. that's not particularly how I would do things. Like I, I would rather always stay within my means and, and not incur a bunch of debt. But I do see the point that he's trying to make and, and the importance of it too is like, you gotta behave like you've already made it. Mm -hmm. Like fake it till you make it kind of thing, really. Mm -hmm. So that's why, you know, and one of... I'm not going to say like a mistake, but it was evident at Wadapalooza this year uh -huh. when I just didn't like the, the way our booth looked. And I was like, huh, yeah, the appearance of everywhere we go is really important. Yeah. Like, do I want to dump a hundred K on like a super elaborate booth? No, but you have to. Like it's part of the brand image. It's part of the perception that your customers are going to have. It's part of, you know, the first impression for, for some sure. people of your brand is your storefront. If you have one or your booth, if you have one or your website, if you have one or your packaging, you know, those things are really important. To, it, it, to clarify though, it, those are all steps that you should take as they become possible to you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't want the person who asked this question, this poor 21 year old guy being like, I'm going to spend a hundred K on a booth. No, I said, <laughs> you know, but I, I said yeah. like website or like the packaging or, sure. you know, but like for, your for, tags. For, him, for example, like it might be a, a great option for him to just show up with whatever he can. But, but look, but you have to look good. As good as you can. As good as right? you can. But like, don't, don't, uh, 
not start just because you don't have the means to do something super elaborate. Yeah, this no. is the point that I, that I wanted. But it doesn't have to be mean. elaborate to look organized and professional. Agreed. Like you can literally just have a, a lemonade stand, you know, mm -hmm. but instead of drawing an, with a marker, lemonade $1, like, you know, maybe ask your friend who's an artist to like draw it for you. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's like those subtleties, those like a little upgrades that make yeah. a difference, I think. Yeah, 100%. And when you're a startup, people are maybe buying from you for a different reason than they're buying from a big brand, right? Like you could be a little brand at Wadapalooza and people want to support you because you have cool stuff. And even though you don't have a huge booth like Romwad or, you know, one of those bigger companies, uh, you know, you can still show that you have your shit together and, you know, produce a good product and take pride in your work and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, what made what made us decide to get into gym apparel and what inspired the designs? You still with us? Yeah. You hear that? No. What made you guys decide to get into gym apparel and what inspired the designs? So honestly, the initial push came from Alex. We were every once in a while, uh, we had already had the online team. And uh, we had the gym, so we had a little bit of space for storage. And uh, this was our first gym, so really only a little bit of space for storage. Um, and uh, we just really were trying to service our members who wanted to support the brand. Mm -hmm. Every once in a while, we put out a T-shirt and we'd sell them and, you know, members liked it. And then one day Alex was like, and I was kind of always of the mindset, like, I don't want to hold inventory and have overhead. Like, we run, we run such a lean business with all the online stuff like why add this headache but then alex was like i think honestly we're missing a big, big opportunity here we have a lot of fans a lot of people who want to support the the brand and uh we can sell apparel to these people mm -hmm. and uh you know we we humored him and tried it we tried our first like new design which wasn't just like we had this really standard old design where we just kind of like sub in hybrid characters like characters that were a mix of a person and something else and it was, it was actually or two cool. different animals or whatever yeah it was honestly it was cool but uh didn't have the mass appeal maybe that mm -hmm. uh like our, our designs do now so um anyway we linked up with with our designer who alex actually knew through the music business uh from another life and uh <laughs> Yeah, we we put out our first design though that sh like street shark uh, hybrid, you know the the shark that was jacked in the water with like dumbbells, mm -hmm. and it sold like crazy. And mm -hmm. then we were kind of just like, oh, okay, maybe let's put some effort into this. Mm -hmm. And uh, what inspired our designs was just whatever inspires us, whatever we're into. Like I think it's very obvious in our apparel, we like get a motorcycle then we have a motorcycle on our apparel <laughs> you know like yeah it really just reflects all of the things that that interest us and that yeah. we think are are cool you know we're into to streetwear so a lot of our designs are streetwear inspired mm -hmm. steffi really the creative director for all of the apparel stuff you know I, like i'm not sure people know that or not but like the vast majority of the creative ideas come from you uh and it's really your passion um so much so that you're you're doing a program through Parsons mm -hmm. New York uh, for fashion right now, which is really cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's kind of just whatever we want or like, you know, what what do we identify with? What are we excited about right now? Did mm -hmm. we see something that sparked an idea? Mm -hmm. 
And luckily we work with a, a great designer who can kind of bring all those ideas to life. All of them. It's amazing. You know, what's so amazing about Mike, our Hold designer on. is that, so sometimes, you know, I give him an idea and he comes back with it. And then before I say anything, he, he submits another one. He's like, I know what you're going to ask. He's like, and here's the, here's what that looks like. Yeah. Like <laughs> 10 out of 10 times. It just happened to me with, with my new SC logo. I was like, yeah. can I see it with, and he's like, here it is. <laughs> I was like, that's amazing. Uh, I was in that group chat. And that happens all the time. Like yep. he just knows what I'm going to ask. Yeah. That's uh, I mean, he's, he's a really unique person who's been around the game for a long, long time. Work with some really, really cool high level uh, musicians doing cover art and all that kind of stuff. So. We're definitely lucky to work with him. Um, anything else that you draw from for inspo? Um, honestly, my entire surroundings. Like I'm always paying attention to like street art, to uh, other people's t-shirts, to, I don't know, what I see trends. on in trends, what I see on Instagram. I just sure. really pay attention to what's popping, you know? Brand new whip just hopped in. Yeah. <laughs> what's hot, what people like, what's trending. Yeah. Well, and also, what looks cool? What also, colors go well together? The dark, a lot, of, like some of the darker, more hardcore designs are uh, brain childs of uh, of Alex as well. Yeah. So he did like the Pantera knock we did, the obituary knock. <laughs> Riley, are you okay? Sorry to whoever's hearing that. Our dog is. Uh, I don't know what she's doing, making some crazy noises. But, uh, yeah, that's, those are sort of the main, that was how we got started and sort of the main inspo. Mm -hmm. Um, someone here is interested in the timeline of our different business ventures. Okay. As, so we started obviously with training, um, Riley, <laughs> can you relax, dude? Um, yeah. So we, uh, we started with, with training, the online training program. Um, which grew really fast. Uh, about 18 months later, we started nutrition. Then uh, we opened a gym, which originally started, the gym was kind of like, we're like, ah, we need a place to train because we can't shoot. I needed uh, to get a visa. So I went for an investor's visa and it kind of all just like tied in. We're like, we don't really know if the gym's going to be a moneymaker, but it's just an investment for basically for brand image and, for me to be able to be here. And uh, then we outgrew the space and moved into a space that's over twice as big. And, you know. Then we started the apparel brand. Apparel. Um, and then I guess uh, like YouTube and podcast are verticals for, mm -hmm. that, that make us money too. So. YouTube podcast, yeah. And now probably a print shop. And then, the next yeah, thing. print shop. And a, and a legacy app. Yeah, app coming soon mm -hmm. for all the people who have been, you know, asking if we're going to switch from a desktop forward service to a mobile for forward service. The answer is yes. And it's going to come out on Android and iOS. Mm -hmm. So you know, you'll have it no matter what phone. I think the most interesting and important takeaway from the timeline is that really none of it was planned. No, you know, we're, and you always say that, like, we're not the type of people that is getting, that sit down and plan every goal. You know, what's your one-year goal, your five-year goal, your 10-year goal, your 45-year goal? Like, we just don't do that. Mm -hmm. But we just kind of capitalize on opportunities as they present themselves. 
obviously some of them we seek, right? Like the apparel was something that we, we sought yeah. after. Um, but yeah, just like being really in tune with our client base, being really in tune with what people would like to see, what people need and, and, uh, just making those ideas happen and taking small risks as the company grows so that we can, that, that we can always, oh my God, Dexter is pulling my cable, taking small risks that we can always, um, that no matter what we would be able to kind of recover from, like if the gym was a flop, we would be fine kind of thing. Right. Yeah. 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 I, same with the apparel when yeah. we started it, you know, we're lucky that after our, our first vertical, which was training that did really well, we, we were in a position where we could take on risk that wasn't crippling if it didn't work exactly. out. So, it, it, yeah, I think, you know, just having, having cash on hand is always yeah the best thing you can have to, to sort of hedge your bet in terms of risk. Um, but yeah, that was it. Right. So training, then 18 months later, nutrition, nutrition. gym, gym. Uh, podcast, YouTube, Oh uh, no apparel. And then podcast, YouTube, podcast, YouTube. YouTube and then podcast. Yeah. So, yeah, that's sort of the chain of events. And, and like you said, not planned, just like when things became interesting to us, we pursued them. Mm-hmm. Oh, so. Um, what's your drink of choice? They saw my whiskey collection yesterday. I'm wondering what yours is. Oh, you're wondering what mine is? My drink of choice? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll always choose a beer. Over anything else. A brewski gal. Yeah. It's just so uh, refreshing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You associate the end of uh, a long day with that. Oh, my <sighs> God. And that freezing cold can. Yeah, baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. This one's for me. Do I ever get jealous of people giving attention to the other? Or I guess it's for both. But no, I feel like I'm your biggest fan, you know? Like, I feel like. I mean, every- depends on what type of attention. Yeah, I guess, but, well, but you, like, you have such high numbers of things, like, if there's 50 guys saying inappropriate things about you in your comments, I'm not, like, jealous of Steve175, okay, you know? Okay, here's the difference, and this is, I think, I don't know if we spoke about this on the podcast or not, but this is my theory, that as a woman become more sexually mature... So essentially, as you leave your early 20s and move into your late 20s and you become more sexually mature, uh-huh. women actually start taking bigger risks and start being way bolder with what they want. Uh, and guys start becoming more respectful almost. So, yeah, there's always going to be this Steve one, two, three. That's that's a dickhead, disgusting asshole. It's going <laughs> to send you a pic, a, an unsolicited picture of, of his balls, you know, <laughs> like that. that's going to happen. But the, those are the majority of like the majority of like my inappropriate direct messages or or or, you know, c- communications are from disgusting, like anonymous profiles it's never been like oh a really cute successful guy you know no like that they those well because they don't behave that way it's because they don't behave that way but girls do so when you get attention from girls it's (laughs) usually a real profile of a super cute girl so it's like or a dude or a super cute dude yeah what the hell man i get get dudes so yeah i do get i do get jealous and uh just for for all of you guys girls guys to know I'm fucking keeping tabs on you. (laughs)
I go through his DMs. <laughs> so don't even fucking think about it, bitch. <laughs> oh, man, you're too much. Uh, I'm going to switch gears again because this is just a hell. Uh, uh, I mean, I could keep going. <laughs> we believe you. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. First meet tips for new power. I'll expose you too. <laughs> okay, you done? Yeah. Just wanted to make that clear. All right. So there were two, actually. There was one on what are your pregame rituals before competition? You personally, and then also yeah, last one, last one. I'm getting bored. Also, first meet tips for new powerlifters. Pre meet rituals like right before the meet or like the day before. I think this is like meet day. Meet day. Yeah. Oh, I'm terrified. Well, let's go from weigh in. Let's go from weigh in. From weigh in. Yeah. Uh, probably caught a bunch of weight. Weighed in. Yeah. Feel like absolute garbage. Have no idea how I'm even gonna stand on my two legs <laughs> after those cuts. Um, then really good to go back to the Airbnb hotel, whatever nutritious meals all day long, try to eat as many calories as I can, because usually on meat day, I, I lose my appetite completely. So I try to make up for it the day before. Um, but it's usually pretty chill. Like after I weigh in, I mean, I, I go explore like whatever the city or, or, or place where I'm at, you know, try to get my, my mind clear and not overthink anything. You know, we've, we've gone out for drinks or we've gone out to saw a concert one time. Who was playing? Smash mouth. (laughs) Smash mouth. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I mean, I, you know, the day before I try not to take myself too seriously. Yeah. You just keep your routine. However it would be. Exactly. I I live my life normal. I I don't want any extra pressure. Like meet day is enough pressure for me. So I don't feel the need to sit down and like, think about what I'm going to do the next day. I've been thinking about what I'm going to do the next day for the last year. You know, so I don't, I don't feel the need of being that focused the day before. And then meet day, completely switch gears and just 100% focused on, on, on what I have to do. Um, no ritual per se. I usually try to wake up an hour before, an hour before I leave my house, which will be an hour before my flight starts and, uh, try to, try to eat something. I usually can't ever eat anything. I have a protein shake, some oatmeal or some fruit, something like that. And that's it. And that's game time. Yeah. Yeah. I That's the whole routine. Yeah. That's the world mm-hmm. record formula right there. <laughs> uh, and then I guess first meet tips for new powerlifters. I think obviously look up whatever federation you're competing in. No, f- familiarize rules. yourself with the rules. Yeah. You know, is this a, a federation where your, your foot has to be flat on the full floor when you're benching? Is it a federation that only uses mono lifts? Like there's a lot of things. So just go through the rule book, make the commands, sure make sure you know the commands. Cause they're not all the same. No. Some give you a start command and bench. Some you don't need a start command and bench. There's a lot of different uh, variation depending on the yeah. federation. So, and practice them. Don't just look them up the day before. Yeah. But you know, Practice them every, like a few sessions before, before your meet so that you know what to expect. One time I, uh, I jumped a, a rack command. Was it a rack Dude, you jumped a rack command at the U.S. Open. U.S. Open. How embarrassing. What an amateur move. And that was like your third one, third U.S. Open. But, um, or second. But, uh, yeah, just familiarize yourself with the rules. Practice the way you're going to have to compete. So don't drop your deadlifts from the top, you know. Make sure you're doing pause bench, uh, do all of that good stuff because there's nothing worse than actually making a lift and then not getting credited for it because of some stupid technicality. And that's probably the biggest thing I see with beginners making mistakes in powerlifting. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, it's your first meet. Try to choose one that's close to you. 
you don't want to add in a whole bunch of extra variables like having to travel nine hours or doing you know whatever just do a local meet get it uh, out of the way um make sure you show up for the rules briefing um that's important too that's just kind of like the final check where the the judge head judge is going to tell you uh, or meet director is going to tell you again here are all the rules here's how things are going to run for the whole day you know mm-hmm. how to you know make sure that you're on schedule your warm-ups time correctly is there going to be a break between squat and bench and between bench and deadlift and how long is the break like they just give you all the details so make sure you're paying attention for that um anything else yeah and don't do don't do things different people always i always get this question what should my warm-up attempts be for the meet they should be the same as your warm-up attempts in training mm-hmm. just keep as many variables as you can uh the same if you listen to music when you're warming up listen to music don't if you don't then don't just start listening to death metal before the meet for no reason. Like it's a variable you're not used to. Yeah. Don't like have a bunch of weird pre-workout that you don't, don't have any have. weird food. Dude, the amount of times I have heard someone say, well, I went to my meet and tried this random pre-workout <laughs> and then I was super dizzy and, and had a shit meet. It's like, <laughs> why did you do that? Yeah. Who just ingests a random thing that they have no idea how they're going to react to it. Yeah. Right keep, before a meet. keep everything as consistent as possible and as similar to your training environment as you can. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, you said that was the last one? The last one we're going to go over today? I think that's good. How are we on time? We're at the hour mark. That's wow. that's longer than most of your attention spans. So I am uh, I think that's a good place to call it. Thank you guys for listening. Thanks again for the awesome questions. Uh, and make sure you screenshot this episode. Tag us. Tag Hybrid Unlimited. Uh, and you'll automatically be entered to possibly win an entire drop from hybrid legacy um so you definitely want to do that and uh that's it thank you